Veritone presents Adventures in AI, the podcast that dives into the many ways artificial intelligence is shaping the future for the better. I'm your host, Kevin Ells, but today my role is going to be filled in by Mike Morper, VP of Product Marketing, Government, Legal, and Compliance. Today, Mike will be discussing key trends in technology used to increase constituent transparency. In this session, learn from industry experts and a recently retired police chief about technology and best practices employed by agencies across the country for expediting constituent transparency initiatives. The discussion also explores how the proper use of AI and other technologies can drive efficiencies and introduce methods to reallocate critical budget dollars. Hello, my name is Mike Morper. I'm with the Government Legal and Compliance Team at Veritone. Veritone provides federal, state, and local agencies AI-powered software applications that help to extract actionable intelligence from large amounts of data. Uh, that includes video, audio evidence, and this is all used in investigations. I've got a panel of individuals here where we are going to be discussing during this session the latest trends in technology that are being employed by agencies across the country uh, to help accelerate transparency initiatives uh, with constituents. So without any further ado, I'd like to go ahead and introduce the panel. Uh, Jen, why don't we go ahead and start with you? Sure. I'm Jen Snyder. I'm the Chief Evangelist for GovQA. GovQA is the leading provider of public record software for government entities. We've been in the in the space for you know a good 20 years, and we are the leading provider, and we're happy to be here today with the rest of the panel. Thank you for having us. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, John, I'm going to pass the microphone to you. Can you introduce Great. yourself, please? Thanks, Mike. My name is John Gassick. I run the Government Legal and Compliance Team at Verton. Great. Thanks, John. Next up, Mitch. Hey, thanks, Mike. Uh, hello, everybody. My name is Mitch Thompson. I'm Director of Public Safety Solutions at Word Systems. Uh, we are a audio, video, and digital evidence management solutions consulting company based out of the Indianapolis area. Prior to joining Word Systems, I had a 28-year career in law enforcement, uh, retiring in 2018. Fantastic. That, that's great, Mitch. And in fact, let's, let's go ahead and start the conversation in your neck of the woods. And, and I'd like to have you reflect on some of your previous experiences. Transparency portals. Uh, they are a tool that many law enforcement agencies like to use. Uh, they provide a, a myriad of information to constituents. We're seeing more and more information being introduced every day. We'd, we'd love to learn some of your uh, historical experience with rolling those out and some of the information that you see being introduced with some of your uh, customers today. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. You know, in law enforcement for years, there's always been the annual report that comes out. And the annual report uh, is a static document that lists uh, everything from arrests to traffic stops to uh, calls for service that the agency uh, compiles over the course of a year. And what we're starting to see over the last few years is that these transparency portals become really the replacement for that annual report. So instead of coming up with this data on an annual basis, you literally have it daily. And not only do you compile information daily, but you put it out to the public on a, a daily basis too. And what we're starting to see the trend with the transparency portals is tying it to your social media uh, as an agency so that you have the ability to control the narrative. It's no longer a case where somebody requests the information and then they take it and do what they want with it or use it in the, the manner that is beneficial to them, but rather the agency can control the information that's going out through their transparency portal 
along with definitions and explanations, that data dictionary, if you will, and really push out the good work that they're doing across their agency. That's great. And in fact, you touched on a, a really interesting uh, notion around social media. Uh, Veritone recently conducted a national survey uh, during 2021. And one of the things that we learned in this survey, uh, we wanted to understand how Americans receive information, their preferred method of receiving information from law enforcement agencies. The number one feedback was social media, and that transcended all uh, adult demographics. Uh, the next largest portion of, of request was from the agency's own website itself. So to me, I find this really interesting that there is definitely a shift to using um, modern media as opposed to traditional or old school media. No longer is the local newspaper or, or TV stations the outlet that Americans are expecting to get this information. Uh, did you also find that to be the case as well? Absolutely, Mike. And in fact, I've been involved in helping agencies create transparency portals in, in a consulting fashion. And even from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, you'll find that the information that people want differs. Uh, in one jurisdiction, traffic stop data may be the most important thing. And, and when we do workshops with community members and get to understand what's important to them, we'll hear that from them. But then you jump to another community that maybe is just a neighboring community. And what becomes more important to them is the data around uh, use of force. And they'll want to know more about that. Or crash data is always extremely important, too. So from community to community, it, it may vary. And that's what agencies uh, should and can focus on as perhaps their front-facing and most important information. So then you can channel through and provide other peripheral data, too. And what I really like about it as well is that, you know, if you're an accredited agency, whether it's a state accreditation or CALEA, um, you're doing a lot of that information already. And now you can replace that annual reporting and collection and put it more towards a, a daily collection and make it accessible to everybody. It really increases the transparency and the compliance that you're seeking to have. That's great. Thanks a lot, Mitch. You also touched on a, a very interesting topic that uh, Veritone is starting to see, and it's a trend around the uh, collection, specifically stop data collection of racial and identity profiling information. We know that there is about a half a dozen states right now that do have legislation on the books that mandate this collection. John, I wanted to pivot to you. I know you're having uh, a significant number of conversations with uh, chiefs across the, the country. What, what are you hearing about this? Well, I want to start and build off what Mitch said. I think one thing that's very common and great is that the agencies are already trying to be transparent. And so what we see is there's a couple of impetuses for agencies having to do things different. One is technology, which we'll spend some time on. Um, this, the second is legislation, which is really what you're, you're asking about there. And then the third is, you know, overall pressure uh, on budgets. And so the combination of those things puts more pressure on the agencies. So in the case of uh, the, the racial profiling legislation you're talking about, that's a new burden on top of an agency in whatever state you're in. So the sheriffs and the chiefs have to figure out how are they going to comply with the law in their particular state, but also have it fit into their transparency program and, and really kind of reconcile the two. And, and what we're finding is, you know, technology is 
a critical component of that because with all of these rules and laws, there's a, an inherent cost. So if an officer has to uh, spend five minutes or eight minutes or 10 minutes inputting data about a stop, that's time he, that they are taking away from doing their, their main job. And so what we're seeing and what, what chiefs are interested in is they wanna be, and sheriffs, they wanna be very efficient for their officers. They wanna comply and they wanna be ahead of the, the compliance with their own disclosure as part of the transparency initiative that Mitch is talking about. Mitch, taking advantage of some of this data that gets collected, again, if you reflect on your, your prior role, is this an instrument that you would be able to successfully use in communication to a, a city council or other constituents within the city? Yes, absolutely, Mike. And and really, too, I want to go back to something John just said. You know, every executive out there wants to make the job easier for their officers. They know that they've got a lot going on on their day-to-day -day activities, and officer safety is a priority to every executive. So all the technology and all this implementation is meant to be helpful, not a hindrance, and, and extremely important as they move forward. But at the same time, the collection of that data and the collection of the information is not just about compliance, but it's about um, doing analytics so that you can do your job more effectively, so that you can clear more cases, so that you can make more arrests, and so that you can increase the safety in your community. And, and then, you know, that just continues to drive the community itself because it's an economic driver in terms of why people live in the communities that they're in. And so it has this full circle, if you will, of, of how it helps everyone that's involved. But making it easy for that, that end user, if you will, and then the, the data can drive decision making. Yeah, it's interesting to think about this as a virtuous cycle. You're, you're collecting this information. You can analyze this information. But there's that, that final loop of being able to communicate that information in a, in a timely manner. And whether that's um, uh, body-worn camera footage from a, an event that you know, made the local news to, to other initiatives related to observational data that, that takes place during a stop. Jen, I'm going I'm to pivot to you because this is really kind of part and parcel to a lot of the value that your organization provides back to municipalities. Your organization uh, publishes a quarterly report uh, that helps to provide some boots on the ground reality of what it means to be communicating this information out. Can, can you touch on this communication aspect a little bit? Absolutely. And just to kind of touch on what John and Mitch have been talking about, there's so much more complexity today than there was in the past. And a couple of those things, you know, are obviously the BWCs, which we'll talk a little bit more about. And then, you know, the addition of collecting the RIPA data. If you take a minute to look at our PIPR index, which is an index that we started in 2018, and we update it quarterly so that we can look at the actual data around the public records process and what has been happening in that process. And if you look from 2018 to today, it has increased in complexity by 157%. That is huge. Now, obviously, we can talk about some of the spikes that we saw based on the pandemic. But overall, we saw it increasing on a, on a very consistent basis, year after year, quarter after quarter. And then again, once we hit you know the pandemic and we had civil unrest, we had police reform, we had the pandemic, all of that then spiked. But what we're now seeing is that that spike is not going away. 
that level of complexity is still continuing to increase. So what, you know, what technology is going to bring you today is a way for you to, to, to really manage that. And one of the things that I, I believe Mitch said was the opportunity to see technology um, give you the, the, the opportunity for improvement, right? I'm putting words into Mitch's mouth, but so you get to see that data, you're using a system, you're able to then go back and review that data and say, hey, there's opportunity for improvement here because everyone wants to be transparent. Everyone wants to do a great job, but with legislation today and everything else that's you know put on top of us, just trying to get a public records request out there or just trying to be transparent can be very challenging. So having the technology in place to be able to go back and say, hey, where's, where's there room to improve is a, is a great place to be. That's right, and I think I think it's human nature. If we just you know think of our, ourselves for a moment, absence of information, people immediately go to a bad place. They always assume there's something negative. There's a reason why information isn't being disclosed. You can think about it in each of your own work environments, and then of course that magnifies out to the public. So being able to leverage technology that helps with that acceleration kind of goes back to that that virtuous cycle that I was referring to super important here. So uh, to that point, Mitch, um, I, I know that you uh, helped in the uh, inaugural efforts to roll out a, a BWC program uh, within your agency, and you certainly worked with multiple agencies uh, in your current capacity to help with um, post rollout. I've got the footage, now what? Can you, can you talk a little bit about some of those um, aha moments that, that have taken place for both yourself as well as the agencies you work with? Sure, absolutely. You know, um, body-worn cameras 10 years ago, it was something that like every executive, it's not that they didn't want to be transparent, but they were just concerned about the laws about it and in terms of how it implicates them and their agency going into people's homes and all the privacy issues. And then that got worked through. Then it was just a matter of how do we afford it? How can we get the technology involved and then you're you get to where there's a lot of vendors out there and a lot of different ways that you can implement so all these things just keep coming at you and in the executive's mind all along they want what's best for their agency they want what's best for their officers and i think what we're seeing now is this huge trend to where the officers want body-worn cameras the community wants body-worn camera and the implementation and cost have went down uh, as a result of this desire um, and the technology is caught up with the, that cost factor, if you will. But meanwhile, all these enhancements and added features have come along that go with it. And then the community desire to absorb that information has increased as well. And so we're seeing this absolute explosion in data that agencies are having to deal with. It's their in-car video, it's their body-worn camera, it's um, their interview room recording solutions, it's their security solutions that are out there. All of this data coming at them from many different ways and they have to figure out how to organize it and not just store it, but make decisions off of it and use it as a tool to do better. Um, I put on my old field training hat of sort of a, when you get done with the run, what do we do right, what do we do wrong, what can we do better next time? And same thing with this data coming in constantly. You want to use that to evaluate to get better. You know, Mitch, just to add on to that, I was talking with several customers over the past couple of weeks, and one of their, you know, as I mentioned, complexity, one of the things they talked about is now with all of those different things, you know, stationary cameras, body cameras, you know, car cameras, all of those different um, elements, they all have different departments now. 
and they have specialty, you know, individual staff members who know how to review and to edit and not edit, but redact what needs to be redacted. And because of that, that added a whole nother layer of complexity to the public records because they can't do the work themselves anymore. They have to rely on all these other departments and those departments just keep growing because they need specialized staff. Yeah. Well, and even to, to build on that a little bit too, it used to be when requests would come in for data, video redactions, things like that. It was typically perhaps a light duty officer or mm -hmm. um, a retired officer who might handle that. And the technology and the complexity of that has advanced so much that it does require a high level of specialty to engage the um, artificial intelligence that you might employ with it. Because long gone are the days where you can just uh, have somebody watch it and do it. Because on a typical run uh, of a high stress, there might be eight to 10 officers on that run. And all the video and data associated with that cannot be handled by one person alone. Right. And it needs it needs quality technology to be able to to, you know, make it as efficient and effective as possible. Yeah, maybe to that point, John, uh, obviously, we've we've worked with a lot of agencies to help be able to expedite this this review process so that um, this footage can be uh, subsequently uh, released. Maybe you can talk a little bit about the efficiencies uh, that we've seen from the agencies that are taking advantage of artificial intelligence to help expedite that process. I'm gonna, I, I was gonna jump in on, on Mitch and Jen's conversation and I'll, I'll answer that piece of the question. When I listen to this though, and I reflect on the conversations we're having and, and Mitch, Mitch up-leveled my conversation, but it also to me is indicative of what's happening when I mentioned legislation and Mitch talked about operationalizing. Everybody wants to operationalize. What I see happening is legislation is often an impetus to force the executives to think about things differently. Hmm. So like here in California, what Mike's kind of referring to, you know, body-worn cameras, let's say it's 50% penetrated, but there's plenty of video evidence and there's FOIA request requirements. But, you know, a year and a half ago, new law came out that required a massive increase in the amount of video that could be requested and in fact was requested. And the timeliness for that release too. And the timeliness. And so it didn't change any of the operational elements that you know executives are trying to improve on. It just added overhead. Mm -hmm. And so that's what forced forces them to think about these efficiency type solutions. And I think I'm, I'm curious if Mitch agrees with me or not, because I think that's what we're seeing, especially here in California. Mitch, do you want to just either hit me back or agree? No, yeah, you're absolutely correct across the board. And, you know, more and more states are adopting. And I think as we see the states continue to increase, that it just will bring others along the way um, to where the expectations will be set higher and operationally they've got to catch up with it. Yeah, I'm not sure I have the law exactly right. But, for instance, Colorado passed a law where everybody has to have a body-worn camera. And all the video has to be out in some very short period of time. Mm -hmm. And and while you could argue that the body worn camera is great for the agency to use and it's a it's part of the, the law enforcement process, that overhead and the timeliness and the requirement and the breadth, that's the part that is an extra tax and extra cost on top of the agencies, and it takes away dollars from the regular mission. And so what where Mike was leading me to is one of the things we're doing at Veritone is we're trying to identify inefficiencies in these processes to use artificial intelligence to help create efficiency effectively. And redaction is one of those things. Go ahead. And you know, John, just to add to that, that's actually why we did the PIPR index 
because we wanted um, our customers or, or folks in the in the space to be able to use real factual data to go back because these are a lot of times unfunded mandates or <clears throat> excuse me legislative changes that they have to adopt but there's no funding for them so being able to use real data to say hey this is a problem and it's going to be a continued problem because now we have to take on this task that task and we need some some additional assistance to do that so this PIPR index is to help them be able to fund their own technology needs right so to, to answer Mike's question and I'm going to kick it back to Mitch in this is that so we're trying to help and focus on making things more efficient and there's a large county here in California who we have a good relationship with we have this redaction software you know we think it has a 10x savings not a commercial but it you know it's it is a really powerful piece of software Jen's seen it Mitch has seen it this agency said, hey, we don't have, John, we don't have enough of a requirement today. They're a big agency, but we can handle it with humans. But with the passage of the law and with their desire to want to be more transparent, they came back and said, hey, now we're ready. We want to do something with you because we're going to free up resources and we're going to free up dollars. But when you dug under the covers, the next impetus for it was they were getting to launch an entire drone program. And that absolutely made it lots larger the problem because now you're up in the air it's a much more difficult task and so there's this mesh between a, a drone is obviously a great tool for law enforcement but in an area where there's a lot of compliance rules like california it creates a whole bunch of overhead and and that was how we got then back involved so Again, as we think about this, it's kind of business process re-engineering, utilizing technology, making the officers and the budgets as efficient as possible, also going to where the puck is going. So dr drones are obviously going to be much bigger three years from now than they are today. So putting that infrastructure in place, thinking about how you're going to manage all that is, is what we're hearing and we're trying to help with. Yeah, and, and John, you're right. And let me kind of maybe twisted a little bit of a different way, but um, the UAV is a great example of um, where you reallocate resources. So having been on the buyer side for many years and having uh, people say, well, I'm going to save you money. And there's always that skepticism side, right? right. Uh, law enforcement is notorious for that. Uh, but the reality is now that I've been in consulting for a few years on technology and how it can help and then working through the return on investment, and it's not so much always about saving money, but it's about where I can reallocate those resources to do something that might be more efficient, more important in that time. So it's more about shifting uh, people around right. or shifting resources around. And we're seeing it right now, you know, when there's calls for um, how agencies uh, may face funding challenges, um, some of that funding challenge is more about a shift to a different resource than it is about actually taking total dollars away. Um, and so using technology as a way to help you uh, smooth that over a bit. And hey Mitch, how do you balance the technology investment versus I'm, I'm taking time away from humans. Do, you, do the agencies reallocate those humans to do something different? Is they typically do, absolutely. I think unless, unless in a city or an agency is facing where they have to cut personnel and then technology is a way to save it. But in my experience, it's been that you want to keep the personnel. You just want them to do other things that might be more important in the moment, especially when you have technology that can assist with, with what you're trying to accomplish there. Right. And then I, can I, I add to that? 
Go ahead, oh, I'm Jenny. sorry, John. I talked over you. Um, I just wanted to say, so what we see in our space is that, you know, typically the, the first go-to answer is I need to hire more staff. I need more resources. But unfortunately, because of the level of complexity and the, you know, the specific types of things that are being requested now in public records, adding staff doesn't, isn't the answer. It's not scalable. So being able to use your, your staff that you have now as, as efficiently and effectively as possible and being able to add the technology and that's going to not only help with that complexity, but give you that scalability is, is what we're seeing as the experience today. And knowing that staffing takes up 90% of most uh, budgets in public safety, you know, that's the easy metric that everybody's scaled against. FTEs, how many sworn, how many civilian, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you can find ways to reallocate them to do other things and use that technology to improve your performance overall, then, then it's a win, especially, you know, on anything that I do now, I always look for that return on investment, whether it be in people or dollars. That's helpful. John, you, you touched on something, uh, drones, obviously uh, an evolving technology that it will become much more pervasive as, as time goes on. There, there's other things that are also advancing right now. And if, and if you reflect on some of the um, real-time nature of some of the, the sensors that are being used in, in law enforcement right now, and again, think about live streaming of a BWC. While still we have a massive number of agencies that are currently not using them, they also become a new valuable tool as well, well beyond just documenting what happened. So the idea of being able to get real-time telemetry from these devices, um, I know Mitch and I have discussed this in the past. Mitch, do you have any, any thoughts or any considerations to, to share with folks about the real-time nature of data coming from these devices in the future? Yeah, I mean, what we're going to start seeing is things that are already being deployed at the military level, we, we can deploy at the civilian or law enforcement level, too. And what uh, Mike is talking about is the ability for somebody to see real time what's occurring on a body cam um, and that the expectation that action is taken based on things that are seen or heard during that live view. And the reality is, if you have just even 10 cameras out there, no one individual can monitor all 10 at the same time. So the use of artificial intelligence to monitor and then trigger that alert or that human intervention is what's coming down the road here. Um, it, it's going to be just another level of large amounts of data that's going to be coming towards agencies. And it's going to be an expectation because it's going to be life-saving for officers and it's going to be transparency for the community. I think Mitch is, and Mike, I know you, you kind of teed this up with him. He, he's, he's extending it very well. You know, we're engaged with a number of the military agencies. And the issue is, is that there's so much video and audio and sensor data that there aren't enough humans. And, and the proliferation of those data sources is what's going to get you better intelligence. So whether it's drones or cameras or monitoring social media, there's all these different disparate data sets. And what we think the trend is going to be is to aggregation of all that data into a common place and then using workflows that include um, artificial intelligence to call down and identify and make notifications around the important data such that you can you can actually manage it. And, and whether it's satellite imagery or body cam, it's the same basic workflow. You, there's not enough humans in the loop to be able to watch all of that. And so we're already doing some things on that, but the, the, the broader sense is lots of sensors, very valuable, bring it together, 
correlate it with structured, unstructured, uh, social media, next door, ring camera, all that stuff, put it someplace, use AI to make early decisions and then get the humans involved and then build processes off of that like FOIA requests, like public records requests, like compliance. Yeah. Having some sort of common data. Otherwise, you're going to have silos of information, not as usable, difficult to manage. That's the bit. That's what I think the big trend is going to be. That's well said. I, I want to thank the panel for your thoughts and for anyone that would like to learn more, I'd encourage you to go to veritone.com slash government. And we have information about both of their organizations there as well. Excellent. I'd like to thank our audience today for listening in to Adventures in AI, the Veritone podcast. Join us again next time when we discuss more ways AI is changing the world and shaping the future for the better. Have a great day.